Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. If you have your Bibles, you can go to 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to start today, and I I can guarantee you I'm not going to finish getting through this, Um, but we'll start. I want to share a message today entitled, Failure is Not an Option. (laughs) Did you hear me? I said, failure is not an option. I'm going to talk about that. Before I do that, uh, let me just uh, remind you of what Pastor Heather already said tomorrow night. Is first Monday, and uh, we've we've got multiple guests that are going to be with us. And I, I want to tell you, it is worth changing your schedule. It is worth telling your family you're going to be in the house of the Lord. It's you say, Pastor, you don't know. You know, we've got our Monday night routine. You need a new routine on the first Monday of the month. You need to just just change that routine for the first Monday of the month. We have. An incredible time on on First Monday Revival Nights. And uh, if you have not been baptized in water, I would encourage you to do that. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's interesting. If, if, you went, uh, if you went to the doctor and uh, the doctor told you how to be healthy, what you needed to do to take care of yourself, and you walked out of the doctor's office and said, I- I'm just going to live and do what I want. I'm going to die anyway. I'll just do what I want to do. And uh, does that make sense? Does that make sense? No, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. How much so when you come to church? I'm not just up here talking for my own benefit. <laughs> you know, if, if, if God, God could find a whole lot of other things to call me to do besides be a preacher, because that is not my gift nor my desire to stand in front of people and talk. So, so I could find a lot more useful things in my own self, in my own carnal nature to do uh, just because I don't like t- standing up and talking. But God has placed his hand on me and has placed me here as your pastor. I know that might be challenging for you at times. But, but he has put me in your life as your pastor, as the prophet of God for this house, so that you can get your, your house in order, so you can get your life in order, and that you can experience, hey, everything that God tells me to share, you know, I'll let you know a secret. He intends to give to you. Nobody's shouting there. Every, every blessing, everything that I preach, God doesn't have me just get up here and talk for any old reason. He wants to release something into your life. Uh, he's, he's releasing a truth and a direction into your life so that you can walk out of here and, and have the blessing of the Lord on that thing and, and walk and live in what God says you can walk and live in. Yeah. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the message concerning Christ. How shall they hear unless a preacher is sent? Here I am. (laughs) You're hearing the word of faith, the word concerning Christ, the message concerning Christ. So there ought to be a deposit going into you. There's there's receiving. So I just want to challenge you to turn your receivers on today. And and I'm, I'm going to tell you before I preach this, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to challenge what you believe. 
So what I'm getting ready to preach over the next couple of weeks and however long the Lord, if you haven't been challenged in the past four or five weeks with speaking to them mountains, I will tell you, you will be challenged moving forward in what I'm going to tell you. I think what I'm going to share, the reason it's challenging is it's, it's contrary to popular belief. It's probably contrary to what you believe. I'll just be honest. It's probably contrary. Failure is not an option. It's probably contrary to what you believe. We make more provision and more room in our life for failure than we do for God's blessing and His success. Now, that probably comes from multiple things. I, you know, Maybe your mama or daddy told you that you were a failure. Society's labeled you as a failure. Maybe the church has labeled you as a failure. Maybe some preachers told you that you're a failure. Maybe your boss gave you a bad review and told you whatever it is. You know, we're society. We're surrounded by people who want to tell us what we can't do and how how miserable of a failure we are. And we believe that lie. We believe what they've said, and we make more room for what others think and more room for for our own sense of failure than we do for what God says. I think part of it needs that we need to define what failure is. Failure is not a mistake. Failure is not making a mistake. It's not falling down. It's staying down. Failure is not trying. It's saying, well, that's, that's impossible. Listen, I, I want to live a life that does the impossible. I want to live a supernatural life. I want to live a life that receives the impossible, that does the unbelievable. I want to live a life that is full of the supernatural blessing of the Lord. I don't want to live mundane Christianity. You know, if you're here today and you, you want to live a mundane Christian life and just barely get by, that's, that's whatever you want to do. But that's not the life that I want to live. And that's not the life we're called to live. It's not the life that we're called to live. And so I want the fullness of God. I don't want to just stop halfway or something doesn't go the way that I think it should and I, I give up. God has called each one of us to success, to abundance, to be overcomers, to be the head and not the tail. Does anybody hear me this morning? Now, now you, can, you can be a complainer and a grumbler, and you can be the tail. I can tell you what the Bible calls that. There's a, there's a good biblical term for the tail. <laughs> uh, I think about Peter who was out fishing. We'll just, y- y'all read your Bibles, I can tell. Y'all know the biblical term. We'll just leave it. I won't say it. I think about Peter who was out fishing all night. He'd been, they'd been toiling, the, the word he used in the King James Version, because Peter talked King James, and he used the word, they'd been out toiling all night and caught nothing. Now that's frustrating. You've been doing a job, whatever the job is, and you've been working the job, 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 and caught, did nothing. There was no fruitfulness, whatever that was, whatever that job is, and, and Jesus comes, he sees Jesus, and Jesus says to him, what? Cast the net on the other side of the boat. Failure would look at that and say, Jesus, and make excuses to him about why it won't work. We've been at it all night. Jesus, we're professional fishermen. You are a carpenter. You don't know what you're doing. Go, go, build, uh, go build a bed, but leave us alone. Well, you know, we're, 
we're fishermen. This is what we do. This is, this is our job. This is our occupation. We've been out at this all night, and there's no fish in this area, and make excuses. That would have been failure, but they chose not to fail. They chose to take Jesus at his word, and, and Peter said, at your word. You can always take Jesus at his word. When he speaks, God will bless what he speaks. He's not obligated to bless what he doesn't speak. You know, people say all the time, Pastor, will you pray for this? Or will you, you know, I want God's blessing on this or that or whatever. And it has nothing to do with the word of God. Well, how in the world do you think I'm going to pray for God's blessing? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for God's revelation of who he is. I'm going to pray that stupid thing's cursed. (laughs) You want to go against the word of God. And we want, how many, you know what I'm saying? We want God to bless something that he never spoke. But when he has spoken it, he is obligated to bless it. And so he said, cast the net. And I said, out your word. And they cast the net. And they had a great haul of fish. We were watching, what was that we were watching last night? Uh, uh, National Treasure. Y'all remember that movie, National Treasure? Zoe wanted to watch a movie. So we were watching National Treasure. And at the start of the movie, remember, Gates quotes Thomas Edison, and he says, I haven't, I haven't failed. I'm not a failure. I just have learned 10,000 ways not to make the light bulb. <laughs> we were at the gym yesterday, and I, I've been studying and preparing. Failure is not an option. This word has just been, has been ringing in my ears and the, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me on, in my own life about this. And we're at the gym, we're doing our exercises. And how many of you have ever done the rowing machine exercise? You know what I'm talking about, the rowing? It's like rowing a boat, okay, rowing machine, okay. <clears throat> about 15 minutes into the 30 minutes set of this, Every muscle in my lower back and in my, in my thighs is screaming at me, saying, stop! <laughs> you are tormenting us! Stop! And I'm just, and I'm feeling, and I, I, Heather's rowing beside me, oh my goodness, I'm feeling this. I haven't ever done this, like, oh my goodness, this. She said, you want to stop? I said, no, failure is not an option. (laughs) Keep at it. I am not quitting. I've got 15 minutes into this thing. I I can make 15 minutes more. I am going to make through this. (laughs) Failure is not an option. And I did, too. I did good. good. I did good. (laughs) I did my hour workout. I did good. Failure is not an option. 2 Kings chapter 4. Failure is not an option for our church. Let me just say this. Failure is not an option for our church. God has given us a mission, a vision of Great Lakes Awakening. When we, when we, this is not an option. It's, failure is not an option. The Great Lakes needs an awakening. The Great Lakes needs a supernatural touch from the Lord. The Great Lakes needs a harvest of souls. Yeah. When we moved here, we had everything going against us to tell us, give up, shut up, be quiet, sit down. We don't want this. We don't want to pray in tongues. We don't want to sing in the spirit. We stop the falling, stop the manifestations, stop the preaching. Stop. We, don't, we had enough people telling us every reason why we needed to stop. But in our hearts, failure was not an option. 
Now, it doesn't mean that the way doesn't get hard, and it doesn't mean that you don't have a few mountains you got to talk to. But I, I, I got news for you. you. You are not, you know, we had, we had plenty of people who thought they were going to cause, they were, they were going to run us out of town. They were going to cause gossip and disruption in the church. They were going to talk about us and talk about us to everybody in the church, and they thought they were going to run us out. We had, and, and I'm telling you the truth. They thought they were going to get rid of us if they, we just talk about them. We just talk about everything they do, everything. We're still here, baby. Failure is not an option. You can talk about, I've been talked about, I've been lied about, I've been spit on, I've been, we've had death threats, you name it. Failure is not an option. Not an option. God is going to accomplish his vision. And I'm going to be right there with him when he does. What God spoke, he's going to do, and I'm going to be a part of it. So I hope that this word, whether you're watching via live stream or, I, you know, it's so funny. I, I was somewhere the other day and one of those people came up to me and they said, do you hate me? I'm serious. That's what they said. Do you hate me? And I just looked him in the face and I said, no, I love you. And you say, Pastor, were you lying? No, I wasn't lying. I don't, don't hate them. I don't hate them. They're carrying around their guilty conscience. They need to be set free. They need to be healed. They need to forgive themselves and move on. Yeah, they lied and did all that stuff, but they just need to get healed. Failure is not an option. 2 Kings chapter 4, we find the story. We read it last week of a woman who is in debt. She's facing death and she is depressed. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. Now, I said it last week. I'll just highlight this again. Is that for those that weren't here, here is a woman whose husband was a servant to Elisha. He went with Elisha everywhere Elisha went. He saw the miracles. He saw the provision. He saw the blessing. He, he watched Elisha in all of his ministry. And yet never received what was on Elisha's life. Elisha was the man whose bones raised the dead. Here is a, here's a man who had everything he needed and more to accomplish the vision, the direction that God had given him. There was an anointing on his life. He was a blessed man. And this, this wife's husband <coughs> follows Elisha. And, and cannot receive, has not received the blessing that was on Elisha. What a shame that you would sit under a ministry of such power and such anointing and not receive what God's pouring out into their life. You, you sit under, I'm not bragging, I'm not, this isn't, I don't say this boastfully, but you are sitting under a very unique ministry. And I don't mean that in the peculiar sense of the word. I mean it that it is, that it is a, uh, unusual to find a ministry in this day, in this age, that combines both spirit-filled ministry and the depths of the truth of God's word. It's, it's not common. Jesus, I mean, this is, this is something that God said in Amos, that in the last days that there was going to be a famine in the land, a famine of his word. And we, we see, I mean, there's just all sorts of craziness out there these days. 
<clears throat> and so I'm not, I don't say that boastfully, but God's placed an anointing on our lives, on Heather and I's lives, for revival, for awakening, and this spirit-filled ministry. And if you'll step in under the, the anointing of the house and what God's placed on this house and our lives, it'll flow into your life. If you allow it, it will. It will flow into your life. There'll be breakthrough and things happening, and, and you'll find yourself growing in the Lord in ways that you, you didn't even know were possible. You didn't even know was happening. You'll find yourself, wow, what? I didn't even realize that was happening. I didn't even know that was in me. And you, just by being, you know, it's almost like spiritual osmosis. Just by being in the house, if you'll just yield, God will begin to do something. Now, I'm not telling you to live by spiritual osmosis. Don't get me wrong. You know what I'm saying. But there's an anointing on the house that will flow in your, into your life. And here's Elisha's servant's wife, and the servant never got it. He never lived in the fullness of what God intended for him to have. He was under the man of God. He went with the man of God, and he never received from the man of God. Scary. The creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. We talked about the generational lesson that was being learned. Those kids were going to be set free and to be to break, be children of breakthrough or children of bondage. They were either going to continue in, in a place of debt and, and bondage, or they were going to teach their children to live. It was a generational blessing. They were going to walk in the, in the generational blessing, or they were going to walk in a curse that was going to follow them. What you do with, what you do with the blessing of the Lord will either, is going to be transferred to those around you. The legacy that you leave will either be one of breakthrough or bondage. Poverty, I said it last week, poverty possesses people. Abundance of God possesses legacy. Poverty is all about trying to control people and, and put them in bondage. The abundance of God will release you into legacy, leaving a legacy. <clears throat> and Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? What do you have? And he didn't even give her a chance to answer. <laughs> he put the question out there. That, that tells me that the man of God had the ability to do whatever she needed. He wouldn't have asked the question had, had he not. He wouldn't have looked at her and said, tell me what you want me to do, unless he was able to meet the need that she asked. So he asked the question. He has the ability to meet the need. He asked the question, but doesn't even give her a chance to answer before he says, tell me what is in your house. The answer to your miracle, the answer to your breakthrough is in your house. Tell me what's there. And she says, all I have is a jar of oil. And he says, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels, do not gather just a few. Get as many vessels. This was a clue. Ding, 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 ding. The man of God just said, go get a bunch of vessels. Something miraculous is about to happen. All I've got is a jar of oil, but he's telling me, go get a bunch of vessels. A miracle is getting ready to happen. When God begins to speak to you about your giving and your receiving, he's setting you up for a miracle. Don't tune out when God begins to speak to you about the power of giving, of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Giving and receiving. There's an anointing. On the giving, and there's an anointing for receiving. <coughs> Excuse me, I need my water. Giving and receiving. 
many times we know how we understand how to we know how to give we know how to give we know how to <clears throat> most of us anyway know how to give but what we don't know how to do is receive <clears throat> what do you mean i got to go knock my neighbors weren't there for me when i was going in debt how why do i want to go talk to them now why do I want to go talk to my neighbor now? They, they, don't, they didn't want to talk to me when I was in trouble. Why do I want to go ask them? Why would they give me their Tupperware bowl now? They didn't want to give me their cash when I was in trouble. Why would they want to give me a Tupperware bowl? <clears throat> you follow? But there was, there was a word that was given, and she began to act on the word that was given to her. And she gathered the vessels and she began to pour the oil. Now, I, I want to take a look, look at this. Failure is not an option. In order for you and I to understand that failure is not an option, there's a few basic things that we've got to understand as born-again believers. And I want to go through four of those this morning. Four basic truths about living as a born-again believer that you and I have to understand. If we're going to not settle for failure, not make provision for failure, not make room for failure, that we've got to understand what God has given to us. There was a word that was given to this woman. There was a word that was sown into her life that she had to act on. And in order for us to begin to not make provision for failure, we have to understand what God has released into our life. I am convinced that most of us do not operate at the level of blessing and breakthrough and anointing that God wants us to operate at is because we don't understand what he's given to us. If you understood, the now, now doesn't the Bible say the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you? Does it say that? Does it say that? If it says that, why do we not operate at that level of anointing? If it says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, why are we not seeing dead raised? Now, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, that's for all of us. We have to understand there's a, there's a level of anointing and blessing that's accessible to us. But we have to understand what's been given to us. We have to understand what's been released in our life. The first thing I want to take a look at here is that you and I have been given a new nature. We've been given God's nature. This woman could continue according to the identity of her debt, or she could identify with the word. She could identify with what God was placing upon her life, or she could could continue with what was. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone, everybody say anyone. anyone. If anyone is in Christ. Is in who? Christ. Is in who? Christ. Not yourself. Not your old identity. Not according to the, the slavery of the devil. But if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Now does that not say you've been given a new nature? In Christ. In Christ. In Christ I can do all things. In Christ he's given me a new nature. In Christ flows all the blessing and provision of heaven. 
in Christ. Everything that you and I ever have need of is found in Christ. In Christ, I have a new brain. I have the mind of Christ. I don't think according to the old nature. I have a new thought process. I think new things. The Amplified says this. This is that verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Amplified. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature. Reborn. Renewed by the Holy Spirit. Reborn. And renewed by the Holy Spirit. I know y'all are laughing at me because I can't talk. Some of you are just getting the joy, but others of you are just laughing at me because I can't talk. You're a new creature. (laughs) Excuse me while I enjoy the word. The old things. Everybody say the old things. The The previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. They did. They've been crucified. Behold, new things have come. Because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Now, now I want to just, I want to take a look at this. And I don't, I don't mean to teach And hopefully I can break this down so that you're not overwhelmed by this. But what is said in this verse is absolutely powerful. And you can miss it. Because when we translate words from Greek into English, we miss some depth. And this is one of those verses that has a lot of depth. And if we're not careful, we can miss it. The word that's used here for new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That word new, is it's not just the new of the same kind, but it means new in quality or kind. It means a new species or a new character. In other words, you know, if you, if you were to break that pew, and, and for whatever reason, you break the pew, and we need to fix the pew, I'm not, I, 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 if I'm going to do new of the same kind, I would just buy a pew and put it there. But that's not the new that this verse is talking about. What it's talking about is the pew's broke, and I'm going to go buy a chair to put there instead of a pew. It's something new, but it's new, entirely different new. And so when when the new has come, it's not just God replacing our old nature with more old nature. He's given us an entirely different new nature. The Adamic sinful nature at work in us versus the God nature. But our tendency is that we're more comfortable with the Adamic nature, the old Adam, than we are with God's new nature. We're more accustomed to the old way of doing things, the old way of thinking, and so we revert very quickly to that old nature instead of living according to God's nature. When I'm facing a situation in my life, when that mountain rises up, when I feel like quitting, when I feel like not even starting, my old nature says, oh, let's just give up. 
Just throw in the towel. It's not worth it. Why, why do you want to tithe anyway? You need the money. Why, why do you need to step into the blessing of the Lord anyway? You don't really need that. You're comfortable where you are. Why do you need to live a supernatural life? I mean, you're okay living a just mediocre life. <clears throat> but when I live according to the God nature, I've, I've been given a new nature. There's something on the inside of me that won't settle for that old way of doing things. There's something on the inside of me that I, I, I've been wired in such a way to see through the eyes of faith and not through the eyes of carnality. I've been, I've been given a new nature now to see through the eyes of faith the impossibilities that lie before me. That mountain isn't just, it, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not incrossable, it's not an obstacle, it's a stepping stone into what God has called me to. It's, a, it's an occasion for a blessing that I wouldn't have had any other way. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. I'll, I'll keep that up. Matthew Henry says this, that the believer is created anew. His heart is not merely set right, but a new heart is given him. He is the workmanship of God, created in Christ Jesus to good works. Though the same as a man, he is changed in his character and conduct. These words must and do mean more than an outward reformation. The man who formerly saw no beauty in the Savior, that he should desire him, now loves him above all things. It's a new nature in us. We've been given a new nature. Let's keep diving into this, this word, into this verse. He says that he's a new creation. The old is gone. The, the new has come. He's given you a new identity. Not only has he given you a new nature, he's given you a new identity. He's chosen and appointed you. Everybody say, he's chosen me. And he's appointed me. <clears throat> he's chosen you. And he's appointed you. In all of the messes of the world, in all of the sinfulness and the ugliness of the world, he came and chose you as his and appointed. He didn't just choose you and, and pull you into himself to leave you to your own devices. He chose you and gave you a new identity. You are mine and he appointed you. He anointed you. Uh, I want to look at John 15 here. In John 15, 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now I could stop. We could preach that. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That, that in itself is a whole message on the, on the blessing and the abundance of the Lord. But that's not where I want to zero in. I, I want to zero in on that word chose. He chose you. That word chose means he's called you out. He's put you forth from among the others. It's like Joseph and his coat. Joseph's father loved him more than his brothers. And he put the coat of many colors on Joseph. He loved him more than others and said, I've chosen you as my beloved son. God has chosen you, he's called you out, and he's appointed you. He says, I've chosen you and I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. That word appointed has two root words. It means to establish, to abide, to continue. It means a covenant. It means, it means to lay out stretched, to be ordained, or to be set into place. 
This word generally describes a setting or putting things in order, which implies both a downward or inward motion. It's a, it, it, this word is, it shows that it's not just happening because it says it's happening. There's actual physical response to the anointing. If you, you kind of think about the king that comes, or the, or the knight, someone that's being knighted, comes and kneels before the king, and there's, there's, there's a laying down, and there's a, there's a transfer of authority that's placed upon them. That's what this is indicating here. It implies that there's, there's a motion, a humbling of oneself. And what is happening is that things are being set in order. Things that were not existing or things that were misplaced are now being placed into proper order or being applied properly. It celebrates a deliberate and designed transition from an original state of flux to a stationary permanence. Now this is an important word. Why am I telling you all this? Because we miss all of this. When you, when you read chosen and appointed, you miss all that. There's, there's a place of humbling yourself, coming before the Lord, and Him placing an authority and anointing on your life. Now, <clears throat> here's what the Bible says in Matthew using the same word. This three-letter word that I'm going to read to you just rocked my world. I've never seen this before. It rocked my world. In Matthew 12, 18. Behold, my servant whom I've chosen. This is happening at Jesus' baptism. God is speaking from the heavens. Jesus is being baptized. And this is what the Father is saying. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. That word put is the same word as appointed. I have put my spirit upon him. In other words, this was the first time in history where the Holy Spirit would not just come upon someone to accomplish a task or a mission in the Old Testament, but at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit would come upon him and reside with him. It was, it was picturing, it was foreshadowing what was going to happen with you and I as believers. Is that, that through, through Jesus' sacrifice, not just about redemption, although that is, that's powerful enough and of itself, but there's a promise of the Father that he will put his spirit, he will appoint his spirit in other words, the Holy Spirit wasn't going to be transit. He was going to reside in believers. He was going to reside. And this is the first time in Scripture that we see this, that the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus, resided upon Him, stayed upon Him. And the Bible says, without measure. This is what is accessible to you and I as believers. Failure is not an option. There is the, I have come before Him, laid my life before Him, and He is appointed. He's changed my nature. I have, I have a new nature, and He has empowered me to fulfill all that He has spoken. I'm going to just keep going. <clears throat> In John 10, 17... Jesus said, for this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life. 
This word indicates being appointed, that I'm going to lay down my life. Jesus said, I laid down my life. No one takes it from me. There's the same word as used. I am laying down. I'm, I'm, a, I'm being appointed. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. We come before him. We lay ourselves before him. He gives us a new nature. He gives us a new identity. I'm not operating as a believer. I'm not operating. My old nature is guaranteed failure. The old way of doing things, guaranteed failure. I'm going to give up. I'm going to get lost in all the, all the lies of the devil. Uh, let, me, let me tell you. If, you. if you're operating according to the lies of the devil... Lies of what others have said over you, spoken over you, what, how they're manipulating you, whatever the case is. That's your old nature. It's been buried with Christ. You have a new nature. You have a new identity. When you begin to operate and to live according to the identity, the nature of Christ in you, there's no room for failure. Do you hear me? When, when, the, when, when God spoke to me and called me into ministry, I thought, oh my goodness, you have just made the biggest failure you ever did make. You, you, Jesus, you don't know what you just, I don't, I, I can't, I can, I say creature when it should be creature. I, you don't know what you're doing here. I can't talk. I, I'm not, I, st I stutter sometimes. I, just, I can't talk. But he anointed me. He placed his hand on my life. I'll never forget that first time that I ever preached. I thought, oh my goodness. And the Lord came down in such a powerful way. And I knew, I knew in that moment. I preached for an hour, over an hour. Hour and five, hour and ten minutes. The power of God came down in that service. And it was awesome. And I knew in that moment, this is not me. I can't do this. I can't make this happen. That God has done this. God has done this work. When he called us to Ohio, I thought, where on earth is Akron? <laughs> like you've, you've, you've messed up, Jesus. You've, your GPS is off. Not only has God given you a new nature, He's chosen you, He's appointed you, and He's given you His word, number three. He's given you His word. If you try to function and operate on your own vision, your own dreams, your own direction, good luck. But when you operate based on the word of the Lord, you are guaranteed success. Now, it may not happen in your time. It may not happen the way that you want it to happen. But his word is guaranteed. Failure is not an option. In Isaiah 55, this is what God said about his word. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. 
it shall, what does it say? It might come back. It might come back. It's possible. (laughs) It says, shall not return empty, but it will accomplish that for which I purpose. And it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. He's not a liar. And when he speaks, I don't care what the word is, if he spoke it, it will happen. You cannot treat the word of God like you treat a promise from your friend. They are not on the same playing field. You, you, you can't treat the word of God like, it, like, like it's your boss telling you you're going to get a raise next month. How many of you have been there and didn't see that happen? I'm like, well, you let me down. Your friend told you something. Oh, I'll do this or I'll do that. And they let you down. And we put God in the same box. Well, it might happen. It might happen, you know. We'll just put it it somewhere for safekeeping, lock it up. Listen, some of you today, God's given you a word. You've been believing it in your heart. And you've just thought, I I just don't know. I don't know if this is going to happen. And over time, you've just, it didn't happen when you thought it was going to happen. didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. The promise of God for your life. And so you've just kind of moved away. You've just kind of distanced yourself from that word. Yeah, that's what God said. But, but I don't know. It says it will not return void. I remember Rick and Tam are in the house, so I'll pick on them. It's good to see them. <coughs> but I remember when Rick and Tamara got here. However, whenever that was now. And they told me one of those first Sundays they were, they were here. They said, we're not going to be here long. I said, we're not going to be here long. We're building a house. God said, we're going to build a house. I said, we're building a house and we're moving to Tennessee. So just so you know, we're not going to commit to a lot. We're not going to do, you know, because we're not going to be here. And I just smiled and nodded. <laughs> now why? You know, I, those that know the situation are laughing because how many years later did you actually move? Like three, five? Five years later you actually moved? They were, they were on our leadership team, ministry team. They did a lot. But I knew, it's not that I didn't think God God didn't promise and God didn't say. I knew God said. I knew that God had said. And it was not failure for them to take five years to get there. That wasn't a failure. They kept walking out the word of the Lord. They kept living according to the promise of God for them. They have a beautiful home. God's blessed them. And everything that he said he was going to give to them, he gave to them. It's absolute. I've been there. I've seen it. It's beautiful. I might, I might have to come visit again real soon. It's beautiful. And the mountain. You don't even know there's a house on the mountain. You just get out there, and there's, a, there's this rock path. And out, out in the middle of the mountain, there's this beautiful home. It's awesome. And God bless them. But, but I, I knew... I knew what God said, that when, he, when they came here, I knew that God was going to use them here. And so there was a process... In the journey. 
There's a process to the word of God. I want to take this look at this verse about that process. The Bible, Bible says here in Isaiah that his word is incapable of failing. It's guaranteed to accomplish, to bring forth, to advance, to govern, and to succeed, to overcome with might, to bring breakthrough. He's able to accomplish and succeed. Whatever his word is and what he has spoken, he will do. It will accomplish. It's guaranteed. Now, look at this process here. It's, he talks about the rain and the snow. The Word of God has a life-giving... Write this down. This is, this is powerful. The, the Word of God has a continual life-giving nature. When the Word of God is sown, it continues to produce life wherever it goes. If God has spoken that word, you stay on that word, and it will produce life in you. It brings life wherever it goes. It continues to exist. The rain, the water, the snow, that it continues to exist. The water continues to exist. It takes on different states. It has different cycles, but the word continues. It has different stages of existence. The water goes through, through different climates, through different seasons, and has different effects in different seasons. When the water's in the dry place, it brings nourishment to the dry ground. When it's uh, in, in winter time, it freezes on the ground. It has but it's still water. It has different seasons. It has different effects. But it's still water. <laughs> Just checking. It's still water. The Word of God, no matter what effect it's having in the season, no matter what stage it is in, whether it is in the seed stage or the fruitful harvest stage, it is still the Word of God. It doesn't change. It's still the Word. Which is interesting because the water changes states. And this is what he's referencing here. It's, it's snow, it's rain, it changes states, but it's still the Word. The Word of God it changes. It could, be, it could be a gas form, it can evaporate, it can be solid and frozen, or it can be liquid water. But it's still the Word of God. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? There's different expression or stages of the Word. Jesus was the Word made manifest. He was the Logos, Word of God, in John 1. There's the written word of God, the graphe, the written word, the scriptures of God, talked about in 2 Timothy 3.16. And there's the spoken word of God, the rhema word of God, the sword of the spirit, the rhema word, the three stages of the word of God. But it is still God's word, whether it's manifest in Jesus or spoken to you by the Holy Ghost and in the rhema word, it's still the word of God. And none of them contradict don't tell me God spoke to you something that contradicts His Word. It's not going to happen. His written Word, His manifest Word, and His spoken Word always come into alignment. They're always water. Does that make sense? It's always the water. Jesus is using the analogy of water here. Or God's using, they're all the same person, Isaiah 55. God's using the, the example of water, the snow, the rain. The word of God. You've been given a word from the Lord. 
What do you believe in God for? What do you believe in God for? You know, one of, one of my favorite things when I sit down, whether I'm in a coaching session or pastoral counseling or talking with someone, what's God speaking to you? What's the word of God? What's God doing in your life? What are you believing God for? I want to know what God's doing in your life because I want to believe with you. Amen. I want to know when we sit down and we talk, have coffee or <clears throat> whatever we do, you know, wherever we go, I want to know what's God speaking to you. What's God saying to you? What do you believe in God for? Because I want to believe with you. I want to hold you to the word of God. I don't want you just getting, uh, going back to your old Adamic way of thinking, the old Adam nature. I want you to stick to what God has said. Yeah. Amen, preacher. I, I want to hold you to the fire and the word of the Lord and believe. Is anybody believing God for anything this morning? All four of you, bless the Lord, we're in a house of faith. <clears throat> I said, is anybody believing God for something this morning? I'm not, not just talking about a wishful, uh, your wish list, your bucket list. I'm talking about a word from the Lord. What has God spoken to you? Get determined. Failure is not an option. This is what God has spoken. You've been let down by others. Others have lied to you. Do not put God in the same bucket as with those other people. The word of the Lord. Well, God, you don't know the situation. I thought the word of God was true until this happened. Begin to speak to your mountain. The word is creative in nature. The water comes down. It waters the earth. Now, this is going to be real simple. But if you have grass seed and you want grass to grow, you go out. And what do you do? You, you, you dig up the ground. You make the, the, the dirt all ready for the seed. And you sprinkle the grass seed. And you, what do you do? You water it. You got to water your seed. If you want the seed to grow, you have to saturate the seed with the water. Right? In this verse, we see that the word of God is like a seed, but it is also like the water. We sow the word of God as a seed, and we water that seed with his word. You need to saturate the seed of God with the water of his word. You need to saturate so much in the word of God that you don't have an opinion. I'll say it again. You need to saturate so much in the word of God that you don't have an opinion. Because <clears throat> what you're doing right now is not working. And the reason it's not working is because you've sown a word. You've gotten a word from the Lord. You've sown that seed, but you're watering it with doubt. You're watering it with, with a lie. You're, you're pouring poison on your seed. It's not the water of the word. You're pouring out acid on your seed and wondering why you're not getting a harvest. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. <clears throat> 
You've got to pour out the word of God on your seed. Saturate, saturate. That's why we talk about being in First Monday, being in the word, devotions. Get the word of God in you. It's the water of regeneration. It will produce a harvest in you. Be filled. Be saturated. Get the water of God's word in you. And you'll begin to see a harvest. Not only has God given us this word, a new nature, a calling, and we're chosen, we're appointed, but he's given us a new lifestyle. He's given you and I a new lifestyle. Our lifestyle is not a lifestyle of failure. You know, something so aggravates me as Christians, seeing Christians, well, well, woe is me. Here I go again, another problem. Oh, my goodness. You can just see the, the poverty, the brokenness, the bondage. That's not the lifestyle you and I are called to live. We're not called, you know, <laughs> carrying yourself in a place of brokenness is not spirituality. That's not humility. Humility is not carrying yourself like, you're, like everybody's against you. Humility is not carrying yourself like the world's out to get you. That's foolishness is what it is. You're making provision for your flesh and calling it spiritual. Woe is me. Everybody's... And you're calling it spiritual. Here's what Romans 13, 14 says. It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It means to endure, to be clothed with. The same word is used when, when Jesus said in Luke 24, do not leave Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Be clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does it say? Make no provision. Make no provision for the flesh. That word provision is foresight or preparation ahead of time. What we do is we're, we're more convinced in the failure and we prepare for it instead of preparing for the blessing of the Lord. Let me prepare for, the, for failure and we don't see through the eyes of faith. Let me prepare for being disappointed. Let me prepare for being hurt. Let me be prepared for being let down. But we don't prepare ourselves to walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can take off the garment of disappointment and put on the clothes of righteousness. You can take off the, the garments of despair and put on the garments of, of righteousness and peace. You can take off the garments of heaviness and put on the garments of praise. That's the life that we're called to live. Don't make provision for your flesh. Well, woe is me. That's not what you're called to. You've been called to a new lifestyle. And that lifestyle doesn't involve addictions. It doesn't involve the being driven by the storms of life. It doesn't involve being driven by the need for earthly success. It doesn't. It's called holiness. <clears throat> yeah, it's called holiness. A new lifestyle that I don't make provision for my flesh. I don't make provision. For the failure, I make provision for Christ. I, I want to live in holiness and righteousness. In 2 Timothy 1.9 it says, He saved us. 
and called us to a holy calling, not because of our, our works, but because of his own purpose. The Amplified says it like this, For he delivered us and saved us and called us with a holy calling, a calling that leads to what? A consecrated life. A life that's set apart, a life of purpose. Not because of our works or because of anything personal. Because we didn't earn it. A life of holiness. He gave me something I didn't earn and knew I couldn't fulfill it on my own. I want you to think about that. Think about the ironic nature of this. That God who knew you were a sinner... God who knew that you were going to fail and was in a state of failure. Chose you and called you to a consecrated life. Knowing, knowing that you couldn't do it. Now how messed up is that? I, I just I'm I'm not I'm not trying to dishonor what the Lord did. I, I want you to just think about this. I want you to be very logical and just think about this logically. That is messed up. I do not say to my kids, I want you to do something knowing that they don't have the ability to, to do it. I would not I would not say to them, Zoe, I want you to go jump in the dim, the deep end of the pool and swim. Because I love her, and I know, although she loves the water, she going to sink. And daddy can't help her. <laughs> I'm going with her. <laughs> I know how to drown real well. I'm not going to ask her to do that. But I can. But, the, but there's something about this. That, that if we stop there, the story looks depressing. If we stop there, the story looks like failure. The same God who called you is the same God who empowers you. And so if Christ is in me and I am in him, if I've put on the garments, I've not made provision for the flesh, but I've put on Christ Jesus. I'm endued. I'm clothed with him. There is a power on the inside of me. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or think according to his power that is working in me. If there is a power of God working in me, then the thing that he's called me to this life of holiness he is able to accomplish in and through me I am absolutely dependent upon him but my goodness when I am dependent upon him all that I need is available and accessible to me failure is not an option Failure only enters into the equation when we make provision for it. Failure only enters the equation when we shed the garment of Christ 
and we make provision for the flesh. What's God speaking to you? What do you believe in God for? What do you believe in God for? Make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for that old carnal nature that's guaranteed failure. I don't have any other life but to live this life in Christ. I've tasted of a, of a new way. I've stepped into a new lifestyle. I have a new identity. I've been given a new calling and a new appointment. I've been given an, a, a, an anointing. I, I, can't, I can't settle for failure. I can't settle for what was. I can't, I can't give up. I can't just not try to start in what God's called me to because it's uncomfortable. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't start, cannot not start to tithe or not start to, to go to a Bible study or lead out in ministry or talk to my neighbor or talk to my, my co-worker about Christ. I, I can't, I mean, those are just basic things, but, but let, let's take it a step further. I, I can't. I cannot not be generous to those around me. I can't, I can't just stay stuck in the old way of doing things because it's uncomfortable. Or because my old nature says, you don't have the ability to do that. That's right, I don't. But Christ in me. Greater is He who's in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. I can do all things. I wish somebody would get that down in their spirit. I'm not making provision for my flesh. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If he's called me to preach, then bless God, he's going to give me an anointing to do it. It, it may seem ridiculous. It may seem like the most ridiculous calling of all. Stand up and, I don't want to preach, but there's an I can't help but do it. I can't, there's, I've tasted of something real. I can't help. There's an anointing. There's an empower. I've got a, just because it's uncomfortable. Lay hands on the sick and see him here. Whoa, Jesus. <coughs> yeah, that's the pastor's job. I can't help, but I, failure is to sit back and never try. Or to try and say, well, it didn't happen how I thought it would, so I'm not going to do it again. Don't shout me down. Well, bless God. Did God say you would lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Did he say it? These signs shall follow them that believe. Did he say that? And why not? Why not? Did he say that you and your household would be saved? Then why did you stop believing? Did he say it? Did he say it? As for me and my household, the Philippian jailer, for you and your house, did he say it? Is it in the word? That's the word of God. Stand on that thing. He didn't say preach it, everybody. He said when you stand at the mountain, believe 
Do not doubt in your heart. Speak to that mountain and be removed. He didn't say you got to stand there and preach it to everybody. He said, believe the word. He didn't, he didn't tell you how. I said that a couple weeks ago. You don't have to figure out how to do everything. Believe. You don't have to figure out how to heal the sick. It's not possible. In your natural self, outside of supernatural or technology, then science is not possible. Do you hear me? So just do it. Just try it. Believe. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.